0: Love, talk Radio. Good morning, and welcome to Franchising in You, a production of Franchise Foundry. My name is Paul Segreto. I'm your host Saturday mornings at 9:30 a.m. Eastern time and 8:30 a.m. Central time. As together, we'll explore how franchising may be right for you. So, if you're interested in learning more about owning your own business and considering franchising as the path to business ownership. Or if you're interested in expanding your business and franchise portfolio, or even if you're a current business owner exploring whether to franchise your business, then you're certainly in the right place. You know, since launching Franchising in You almost two months ago, wow, it's hard to believe it's two months already. It, it, it's hard to believe. In, in any event, since launching the show, we've taken listeners on a journey towards franchise business ownership. We're really excited. By the number of listeners that are joining us live every week. More importantly, we're really excited by the number of people that are downloading our on-demand listens. And of course, that can be done at blogtalkradio.com slash franchising and you. And as we talked, took people down this journey towards franchise business ownership, we started with the principles of franchise and we followed it up with discussing the franchise disclosure document and funding from SBA loans to 401k rollovers. Of course, one of the key components in getting a business off on the right foot is site selection. So we addressed understanding the terminology relating it to such, you know, things as the letter of intent, also known as an LLI, tenant improvement allowance, referred to as TI, triple net, and the lease agreement itself. The last few weeks, we also addressed using social media and franchise brokers to explore the multitude of franchise opportunities available today. Yes, it's been a journey, uh, but guess what? We're just beginning to chip away at the iceberg, but we've yet to discuss how to find out how much you can make when buying a franchise, which, of course, is the number one question. So today we're going to take a look at information you can use to determine how much you can earn by investing in a franchise, and, of course, we're referring to item 19 of the Franchise Disclosure Document, also known as Financial Performance Representations. Today on Franchising You, I'm honored to welcome back to the show franchise attorney Tom Spadia.
1: Tom, welcome back. Thanks, Paul. I really appreciate it. Thanks for. Uh, I'm, I'm the one honored to be invited again, so I uh, I appreciate it. I always enjoy uh, our conversations at the various trade shows and that, and it's really nice to be able to sit here and have this conversation to a to a broader audience.
0: Absolutely, and Tom, you know franchisors are are pretty upfront about what's going to cost to, you know, get a person into their systems. But they're really bashful, well, I'll use that word lightly, when it comes to talking about how much money franchisees can actually earn running their business. And, and instead, of course, they direct candidates to their franchise disclosure document. As we know, the detailed prospectus, they're required by law to give interest to parties. And as our listeners may recall the last time you were here, we discussed that FDD, the Franchise Disclosure Document, and we briefly touched on Item 19 as we discussed several key items in the document. Uh, So today, let's take it a step further. So let's start by explaining again for our new listeners what it is, um, what the Item 19 is, what it represents, and basically, you know, how a franchisor compiles information you know, for
1: that section of, of such an important document. So, yeah, and I think when we touched on item 19, I think you, you you even said, boy, you know, we could do a whole show just on this section. So, man of your word, here we are doing a whole show just on this section. <laughs> so it's, it's – Absolutely. It, and there's enough in there for, for sure. Um, so item 19, and, and it gets sort of that name as we talked about the FDD – you know, the franchisors are required to put certain information. It's not the contract. You know, the franchise agreement is the binding license agreement contract. The, franchi- the FDD, the franchise disclosure document, is the information that the franchisor is required in a pre-done format under specific rules and guidelines that the federal government puts out and then the various state governments kind of augment and also monitor um, a handful of states. And item 19 is the one where people ask that question how much money can I make and the government it used to be called uh, you know earnings um, and now they they say it's a financial performance representation so you know you'll sometimes hear that so what that is now keep in mind franchisors are not required to actually put information in there but if they do put information it has to be truthful There used to be more latitude in terms of projections, but it got a little bit out of control. They were putting anything that they felt and there were more promises. And um, the government, a lot of the state governments kind of reeled that in. And now it has to be based on the, you know, actual performance. And one thing that people do is they'll make the sample size so small. So they'll tell the story. So I'd like to take a step back and say, look, you have to remember, what you're doing here as a prospective franchisee you're not buying an existing business you are buying a business model to put into your local community so if something's working in texas or in philadelphia it doesn't mean it may work in chicago or omaha nebraska what item 19 does is it tells you the story of how others who went on the journey of ownership performed and how they're currently performing But as you know, there's many, many, many variables on that. So when I am asked about item 19 by franchisors or even franchisees, I try to always put in perspective the purpose of it. It's to give a relative range so that you know basically where you're at in that that business. Is this the multimillion-dollar business? Is it, you know, what are the kind of margins? How big is it? How long? What's the distribution between the high performers and the low performers? So it's a data point for a franchisee to use. Now, the really important thing for franchisees to understand is that franchisors cannot talk about financial numbers. They can't talk about sales or earnings or profits or projections unless those numbers are put into item 19. So we kind of say that in the legal world, it's the four corners of the document. It doesn't make the four corners of the document They ought not to be talking about it, or then that's called an illegal financial performance representation. So that's kind of the big overview of a night of 19.
0: So how does a franchisor
1: Um, compile information for that section? Typically it's historical um, and they should put in the proper disclaimers. It's not necessarily audited. Um, It's going to be different for every brand. So although there's guidelines, um, you know, it's not, It's it's not an algebraic formula that they just dump in. There's a lot of latitude between the consultant, the attorney, and the franchisor's development team excuse me, in terms of what they can put in there. Um, It's really based on historical numbers from their franchisees. So you will see many times, I mean, to me, that's the best practice, is you say, okay, within certain parameters that are fair, a lot of times you'll see open more than 12 months so that you don't get the startups in there. Um, so that you have a better, you know, normalized, and you say, here's all our system uh, stores who have been open for more than 12 months, and they'll put them in chart format. A lot of times you'll see the top third, the middle third, and the bottom third as a way to just kind of make the numbers and, you know, the average of the top third. So it gives you sort of a potential, the is thinking, and then the franchisee's thinking, okay, well, if I follow the system and I have a really good run, this is where I can expect uh, I have my potential. This is my upside. Um, so they're they're taking those numbers off of reported. You know, theoretically, those numbers should all be accurate because franchisees don't really have an incentive to puff up their numbers to their franchisor. or um, most cases they're paying royalties on that. So, you know, I'm not going to uh, if anything, I may go in the other direction, which that's all another conversation that doesn't happen as much as it used to happen um, in today's era of POS and checking, but, you know, those numbers are the numbers that the franchiseur consider accurate as represent representative of what's happening in their system, their franchisees, but it is self-reported. There's also a clause in the law that says that you can ask for backup. Now it's, it's, it's very often not done. I don't necessarily recommend it because I think that a franchisee who gets too granular on the historical numbers is missing the point of success or failure of a franchise system. We can pause that thought for a little bit later. Um, but you can ask for backup and to see where those numbers come from. Now, many times the backup will be a spreadsheet with redacted names to protect the privacy of it, and that spreadsheet will have been inputted from maybe – their POS system or reports, and in the old days, faxed in sales reports. They Every month, you know, that's how it kind of used to happen um, maybe 10-plus years ago. And once in a while, you'll see that is they print off a a sheet of what their sales are. They fill it in. Um, They fax it into the headquarters and say, this is what my sales self-reported, and here's my royalty check. They take those numbers, they compile it, and then at the, you know, come, come close of the year, time for the new FDD, they compile that into the new numbers. And also company stores is another area where that data will get in there. Great.
0: Tom, let's take a moment to recognize your firm. And embarrassingly, I'm going to ask you to pronounce it because I know I am messing it up. I've got no, it, Spadia it's, down pat. Uh,
1: it, <laughs> that's good. That's good. To, to the to the chagrin of my partner, uh, Josh Liana. Here's the easiest way to say uh, Josh's last name. And so it's Spadia Liana. If you just take the first g, the g and the first n as silent, and read it liana, liana, it's an easier way to pronounce it. So I have been struggling with Josh's pronunciation of his name for uh, 30 plus years. Um, we, we're going on 31 <laughs> years of knowing each other. Him and I met when we were freshmen in high school. Um, playing football together. And it's very fun because his son is entering high school right now. Now, we don't live in the same town, and my son is entering high school. And we were uh, talking the other day saying, can you believe it? Our boys are the same age now as when we met and, and became best friends, and now we have a law firm together, and uh, it's pretty cool stuff. That's interesting. So
0: Spady Liana, of course, is
1: a valued sponsor of franchising in Yoke.
0: The fine attorneys of this national boutique law firm represent both franchisees and franchisors. They help walk franchisees through every step of their journey into business ownership while also helping franchisors navigate the myriad of federal and state regulations, keeping them on track to grow and support their franchisees. Learn more about Tom Spady and his great team at www.spadialaw.com. Tom, before we get back to today's topic, uh, financial performance representation, a listener uh, has a question: uh, How might an attorney help me in exploring a franchise attorney, uh, opportunity?
1: Um, well, boy, that, that's a uh, that's a great question. Maybe Josh asked that question. I'm teasing. Um, you know, I, I think it's really important <laughs> um, for for a candidate, um, and I and I, I know we do this, and obviously we believe in it to have a franchise attorney go through. The franchise agreement and the FDD, it's, uh, it's critically important. And it, and it should be a franchise attorney because, you know, it's it's a complex document. It ends up being 60 to 80 pages on the front end just for the disclosure part and, you know, a 60 to 80-page contract on the back end. And if someone's not familiar with franchising, you know, it takes a couple of years for even new attorneys in our office to get really up to speed on all the nuances. They're just not going to pick up on the industry jargon, things like this. You know, we spend our whole career just understanding how to look. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. The other day we were swamped and I actually did an FDD review for a candidate You know, myself. I, my team usually does it and I jumped in and, and of course I figure I, I would end up one with a landmine. It was a, a franchise that had been around for a while. Part of our due diligence is we look at the trademark. We go to the USPTO site. I always like to make sure that the entity you're doing and Lo and behold, there was a problem. The franchise the or had let the trademark lapse. So that's wow. a relative you know, that's an important thing. And it was a sure it was a it was a signaling point also of oh boy, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Now these were good folks, they had like thirty units and they had been around a while and somebody missed a piece of paper, but that's a serious thing. So, you know, and the things that you're hiring an attorney Two thirds of what you're hiring a franchise attorney to do in the review is education. And one third is really advocacy and negotiation and finding the due diligence, like I mentioned about the trademark. Um, You know, there's all these little checklists that we go through that we've accumulated over doing this stuff for over 10 years uh, that we kind of bring to that conversation to say, all right, you know, the broker wants to do the deal, the franchisor wants to do the deal. Let's take a step back, let's look at it. And let's say you know you're, you're, I have this basic guide to buying a franchise, and my emails may be happy to send it to them. Um, that just spells out the steps so that you go through it and you break it down because there's really good information in the FDD. That if you don't know where to look, you end up your eyes start to bleed reading that document because it's so repetitive. Whereas a good franchise attorney can say, look, these are the hot button issues. And a good franchise attorney can also say. This is what they're not going to change, and here's why they're not going to change it. I always tell people, you've got to think about franchising as a multi-party contract. It's not just you against the franchisor. There's the greater brand out there that you're investing in. Why? Picking up something like the trademarks important. You're going to go spend money on this trademark. It's not your trademark, but, boy, you have a vested interest that is protected and it's strong. You have a vested interest in a franchisor having a strong, tough contract and for lawyers that blows their mind right that that sounds so counterintuitive but if you're in a franchise system and the next town over there's another franchisee and that person's a knucklehead and treating customers poorly and not running the brand according to standards that's going to have a direct negative impact on your investment in your brand so the teeth that you've agreed to for brand standards and certain things and certain methodology they're going to apply to your neighbors and it's a good thing when there's strength there. You know, The franchisor has to be strong and make money for the franchisees to be strong and make money. And that's kind of our balanced approach to say, look, this is not winner take all. This is a true relationship here, and you need to know your roles. And I think that's what a franchise attorney can objectively explain because you know, you're know you going to pay our fee whether you sign the document or not. Um, and the good news is that deal I mentioned, that went through. Now, we got some concessions, and there was language in there that said if the trademark, you know, if they ever change logos, franchisees have to pay for it, which is a standard thing. Well, we said, sorry, guys, <laughs> you know, you don't have your trademark and you're going to pay for it. And they right. agreed to that. So, you know, you can get those kind of and it was reasonable for them to agree to it. So, um, you know, you have to understand the nuances and, and, and these things are negotiable, but they're negotiable to a point. You can't go crazy or you don't understand franchising. If you try to change 50 things in a franchise agreement, you're changing the nature of the relationship. And my advice to both a franchisee and a franchisor is this might not be for you. I had a client get mad at me once when I told him that. He wanted to change so many things. And I said, I don't know, He was like a union negotiator. was a really you know, tough guy. And I said, look, <laughs> why don't we change this? Why don't we change this? And I said, I think you need to take a step back. I don't think franchising is for you. And he got angry at me and said, I hired you to go there and be a bulldog and negotiate for me. And I said, no, you hired me to give you my honest opinion and give you what is good advice. If you're so mistrustful of the franchisor, you need to go speak to other franchisees and understand the relationship. I'm telling you, you're going to be unhappy in this relationship and you're probably going to lose money. You shouldn't do it. Go find something else. And, um, And I think that's just kind of the guidance that, in the steps takes the big picture look at what what's the purpose of this? Is this person a good candidate um, to even be a franchisee? Forget about X Y Z system. And for your listeners who are exploring that, that's a question that they need to ask: Are they team players? Do they do Do they want to be a part of a greater network? And there's no right answer to that personal answer, um, and a, and they need to evaluate that. Yeah, and it's it's
0: interesting as you're talking. I'm writing down you know two or three. You know, potential uh, episode, future episode uh, titles, uh, <laughs> there and you topics, go. You and certainly, yeah, you know, working with a franchise attorney is uh, is definitely uh, one of them. And and looking at it from a couple of perspectives. So we thank you for your your question. Remember send your questions to me during the show, or of course, anytime during the week at paulatfranchisefoundry dot com. My goal is to always answer your questions on the air as time permits. However, rest assured, we'll always respond and get the information you may be looking for in as quickly as possible. Again, Paul at com. Tom, back to uh, FPRs. Um, you you talked about accuracy. You know, is it, um, is it something that, you know, franchise candidates can really, truly, you know, rely on that this information is accurate? And I think, you know, when I, when I talk about accuracy, I'm not really talking as much about the franchisor putting in accurate information or inaccurate information. It's more from where they get it from and if they're getting it from, you know, everybody. So explain a little bit about that process. I know you said, you know, have disclosures. Franchisors should have disclosures. You know, of course, these are not certified um, figures, but is there a, a strong likelihood that this is accurate information
1: and that it's from the entire system? Well, I'm going to parse the word accurate um, and say, you know, it, 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 I think I think you can make it. I think it's a close call. How accurate is the picture of the model on the magazine? There's a little airbrushing. There's a little cleaning up. The light's perfect. They've taken a bunch of shots at it. They line this thing up to make sure it looks well. Is it accurate? Well, it is accurate. That is a human being that you took a picture of, and she probably is that beautiful or he, but you know, it's putting whatever that product is and that person and that story that they're trying to tell in the absolute best light. And I think that's how you have to view uh, an FPR. You know, you're, the franchisor has a vested interest in making their system look great because they want to do deals. So they're going to – they have access to all of the data, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and they're going to use Latitude to make it look the best that they can make it look by saying, okay, well, look, if we, this is how we want to tell our story. So, you know, I think you take it with a grain of salt, and I think you recognize, you know, the perspective of who's telling you that story. It is a story, and you should know that it is – it's It's reasonably accurate i I would think that and it happens though, um, but I think it's less likely for just blatantly inaccurate numbers to make it into the item nineteen. I think what you have more often than not, a franchiseur with let's say those moral tendencies is probably going to just not spend the time in the item nineteen and just give those numbers those incorrect numbers or misleading numbers directly to the candidates so <clears throat> because they don't want the, the light on it. You know, I, I think you see reasonably accurate numbers actually in there. Um, you know, uh, By to the penny, I don't know. You know, this is not a financial audit. I think you can depend more on the financial statements that are audited by a CPA than you can the item 19. So when I yeah. am helping people look at an item 19, I try to tell them not to be so granular You're looking at it, you know, take your glasses off and take a step back and look at it from afar and, you know, knock the decimals off and just try and and maybe, you know, knock the digits, some of the digits off and look at it just in general ranges and say, this is, you can make anything. I mean, you're starting a new business from zero. So you're not buying an existing business. And I say that often. I said it earlier. What I mean by that is you buy an existing business, You're getting cash returns or tax returns that theoretically show cash in and out of a bank account of a business. You're stepping into that owner's shoes. The month after you take over, theoretically, that goodwill is going to keep cranking away, and those returns are going to stay where they are. This is a totally different purchase. You're buying a business model. You're starting a business. You're getting a playbook, and you're taking that playbook, and you're executing it. And the amount of variables that come in to what your financial statements are going to look like, so everybody's executing the same playbook, and you have this massive variance in the item nineteen. Well, there's no way for you to know where you're going to fall on that scale, so that's why I say that don't you know put it in perspective and don't take it to the penny. Build your own business model, build your own financial projections with your bank or with your finance company and use the item 19 as a rough guide, as, you know, not your GPS map, but, you know, one of those maps you see when you stop at the the rest stops, right, and you're driving down the highway and if you are here and here's kind of the whole map of the state and this is where this park is and this is where this is, okay, I kind of get where I'm at. Think of the item 19 like that. Don't think of it as this is going to get me dialed down right to the coordinates. And this is exactly what my financial plan is going to look like. It's why a lot of folks, sure, or engineers point. and accountants get frustrated with the franchise buying process. And once again, I say maybe buying a new franchise is not for you. Maybe you should mm-hmm. buy an existing business. Maybe an existing business would make you more comfortable and less stressed. You have to have a certain degree of, of entrepreneurial zeal, and, and <laughs> I'll laugh because I'm not sure I felt maybe even blindness to buy and start a business, right? You have to have courage. You have to have enough courage yeah. to say, I get it. This is the course I have the rough chart. This is where others have gone. But let me now go in there and do it myself. And so take item 19 um, with a grain of salt. So so my answer is to your specific question, I apologize for rambling on here, but my answer is yes, I think you can depend on the accuracy of the data because most franchisors will be accurate. However, don't think that is going to be a direct representation of exactly what you are going to do as a franchisee. Yeah, I think
0: that's a a great answer. I didn't consider it a a rant. I think it was all very uh, valid and and relevant information. That's why I like hanging out with you, Paul. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I even chuckled when you mentioned about you know uh, accountants and engineers because they are um, sometimes I even say to myself you know as a whole group or two groups you know, should they ever consider uh, a franchise opportunity because you know obviously they're they're crossing their T's dot twice they're dotting their E's their I's multiple times I mean. They're the people that you know put on the bridge. You know the weight limit of twenty thousand when it probably can withstand sixty thousand, and they are the most difficult. And and to that point, you know when we talk, we're talking specifically about the item nineteen. You know I know I always recommend to you know clients and other individuals exploring franchise opportunities, don't just look at the item nineteen. You know look at the item nineteen as as part of it, then go ahead and and tailor your questions through your validation process with certain franchisees, uh, asking them information, looking at the growth of the brand, how many, you know, are, are being added. uh, Where do they sit in the mix? Are you losing any? And of course, if they've litigation, you know, dig down a little bit into that and try to look for, you know, cause. But, you know, one of the things that, that I recommend, you know, to to clients, uh, people looking at franchise opportunities, you know, as you're looking through the franchise disclosure document, for instance, you see the, the operations manual table of contents, you know, ask some questions of the franchise or about that table of contents to really drill down into what the business model is. Then ask the question, you know, and it could be totally opinion, you know, focused question, you know, franchisees that are not performing um, above standard or at a high level, do you feel that they're following the system that you've put in front of them? Because I know I have found many times and doing a lot of consulting for the last 35 years, you know, where I've seen this line down the middle and you could relate to franchisee performance by how much they're following a the system or, or not following a system or maybe not following every component of the system. And it all lends to the business model, and a lot of times it lends to whether or not a franchisee is a a passive or an active, you know, operator uh, in the business. So, you know, utilize everything in the disclosure document towards what you believe is going to be, you know, your success you know, down the road. And as you said, you know, you know, your own spreadsheet looking at it, you know, am I going to go outside the box and do catering? Am I going to go ahead and have a delivery service and realize that you might have some franchisees in the system, not doing that and maybe not capitalizing on those extra three or four points or two points that might be, um, you know, attributed to the bottom line for a high performing franchisee, as opposed to one low performing, just because, of what they may be utilizing uh, within the business model and and how much the franchisee might be pushing that. Um, So I I think there's just a lot of things with respect to, you know, earnings. So which leads me to the next question, Tom, and I know we've chuckled about this through some uh, um, email in the last couple of days. What should a franchisee think if they they go through the – the franchise disclosure document, they get to item 19, and, and there's nothing
1: there. So, yeah, I mean, that's something that um, used to be more common. Um, and, and I think it's less and less common now because it's difficult if there's no item 19, right? It's difficult because it's, not, it's just not believable to people outside the franchising world that one anyone would ever buy a franchise without an item 19 and i I, it's believable to me because it goes back to to me the item 19 is not the most important part of the fdd i think that's item 20 it's the culture you're buying into and the people so if there's no item 19 it just means that the franchisor has an approach of everything we've been talking about that you're not buying a mutual fund you're not buying an annuity you're buying a business model that you're going to go make heads or tails up on your own in your own market and, and build success. They don't want to get into the weeds with the numbers. It's hard, though, because then my whole four corners of the legal document, you can't talk about numbers. The franchisor who has no item 19 can't really say, well, look, you know, our goal is to get you to $80,000 a month or whatever the revenue number is. They can't say any numbers at all, so it it, it stunts the conversation, and I think it stunts the ability for the prospective franchisee to get better data and real due diligence. Um, but that being said, it's another data point. It's not a kill shot for me. I don't think it's it's. I think there are examples. Some examples take some of the state regulators who have gotten strict about some of the things we were talking earlier. Where are these numbers coming from? Is it representative? And there are some franchisors, even mature ones, who maybe they shift their business model and they say, you know, look, we're not doing it the way we used to do it. And, you know, we used to have these tiny stores and now we have these really big stores and we're not really going to shut down or change the system or that. But we don't want to have an item 19 because our historical numbers are really not reflective of where the business model is today. So, therefore, it may be misleading. And. You know, that sounds like, oh yeah, that sounds like language a lawyer would make up to make an excuse, um, which <laughs> maybe it does sound like that, but but it's a legitimate, that is a legitimate reason sure. not to have an item 19, because it's not, you, better to tell no story, right? It's like what my mom would always tell me, right? Better to not say anything than say anything bad. Well, better to not say anything than say something that's potentially misleading. So, and I think you also have it with new franchisors. So we have a company, you know, they have, they have two local units, but the local units were bootstrapped. They, were, they made a lot of mistakes. They built it differently. They've been around for 15 years. They're local institutions. Their sales numbers are really, really, really high um, to the point that it's probably not reflective of what a new franchisee who's going to have a ramp up. So, so this client says, I don't really want to put those numbers because I don't want to give false expectations. You know, they're getting into the food business. They can go out and do research. They know what they need to do. You know, these are what the – and so that's another reason. Sometimes in startups, they don't put it because it's not representative, and it might be on the other side. The company might say, look, yeah. my business isn't so good because I'm in a rural market, but, man, this thing, this service business, this thing really works, and this system really works, and I think it's going to do really well. But, you know, that's an honest portrayal to not put them item 19 because what they're saying is, I think this is going to do really well in your market. But I don't know. And you don't know. Neither of us know. So let's go on this journey together. Let me show you how we service the companies. Let me show you what our trademark and our branding looks like. This is what our trucks look like. This is the training system. I'm going to teach you to be into this business. I don't know what your numbers are going to be like. And there are – so – you just have to have the right mindset it's just another data point of the franchise who are telling you look we don't know what the numbers are going to be like um, to some degree that's a that's a more honest answer than people who are trying to Absolutely. slice and dice it and and, <laughs> and and just make other people happy because there's numbers there um, so yeah I, I don't run away from it
0: yeah, I agree, and and I think uh, you know one of the suggestions, uh, and you brought that up, you know, look at the item twenty, you know, and if you've seen right. you know steady growth over the years, you know, it, I, I think it'd be easy to assume you know franchisees are making money, and of course, you know, talking to the franchisees and and weighing through what they're saying, uh, certainly the is going to help thing. a lot. Yeah, that's and of the course, most important. You know, thing, we're in, we're going to have a future show where we talk about. You know, startup and emerging brands that might not have the, the historical information um, to to present the right item 19, and of course, that's a whole different topic about talking about you know the the, the founder's vision and, and franchisees, you know, franchise candidates buying into that vision, which creates a whole other topic of you know are franchisees really entrepreneurs, and we don't have enough time, probably over three shows, to really thoroughly. Uh, discuss that. Uh, Franchising in You is also brought to you by FranFund, recently named one of the top ten franchise funding providers by Entrepreneur Magazine. FranFund crafts insightful funding strategies that help solidify the dreams of franchise ownership while positioning franchisees for long-term success. And with its own in-house lending team, FranFund is able to accelerate the funding process so clients can move forward even faster. Learn more about the personal options that are available to you through FranFund at FranFund.com. Tom, with respect to FBRs, or as they were previously referred to as earnings claims, you know once some warning signs uh, individual, individuals should be on the lookout for?
1: The one, one of the warning signs are the sample size. You know, I think that's an area that can be abused. Is that you know you get a chain of 110 stores, and there's and their item 19 is built around 18 of them, and they say, oh well, it's because of this and because of that and because of that, and and so you you, you start making averages out of smaller sample size, and I think that's the statistic. So uh, read the fine print, really, really, really read the fine print. I think is a uh, is a best practice, and think about you know how big the system is, who are these stores, how are they displaying this what is the story that they're trying to tell and what is the story that's maybe one layer behind what they're trying to sell um, trying to tell sure um, so I think that's, that's I mean. good advice
0: great advice a matter of fact even with the um, the fine print as you say you know the footprints you know again even in item seven you know in the, the chart of you know the range of in, of investment level you know read those footprints down at the bottom um, the footnotes down at the bottom because uh, they will share a lot more than just those uh, those numbers. Tom, right. uh, We the have foot, another. The question. footnotes are
1: super important.
0: Oh God, yes. We we actually have another question from a listener. How can I possibly invest in a franchise if I have no idea what I can earn?
1: Well, that's a great question, <laughs> and um, and and the answer is. If you can't invest, you can't invest in a franchise if that is where you start. If you start with, I need a job and I need security and I need a certain level of income, then franchising may not be for you. Um, I go back to uh, buying an existing business stream. You know, you're starting a business from the ground up. You're going to take a little while to ramp up. You don't really know where that journey is going to go. And you have to get yourself geared up mentally to say, you know, this is the business now. You know, thousands, tens of thousands of people have done this, and they've done it successfully, but some haven't. So, you know, there are no guarantees. And so you have to go in with eyes wide open. And I also would say that, you know, even the word invest is a word that I would turn around a little bit. You're not, you know, you invest in a mutual fund, but you don't invest in a franchise. You start a franchise. And I think that's how you have to change that word to get your own brain around what are you actually trying to do here? You're going into business. You're starting a business. You're an entrepreneur. You're doing it. It's your business. You're renting this business model, essentially, from the franchisor who's done it successfully and probably has done it unsuccessfully. But you're going in, yep. and you're renting that business model, and you're saying, okay, you know, it's the difference of getting the landscaper to cut your lawn and going out and buying the lawnmower and cutting it yourself. So so here, you're not just, you're renting the lawnmower, and you're going out, and You're using it. So I would change that word from invest to start and think of it that way.
0: I I think that's, you know, spot on because, you know, it's really the difference between, you know, you're going to start this sandwich shop on your own, or should you start a, a sandwich franchise that already has a proven system you can find? Because a lot of people say, you know, why should I invest? You know, $400,000 in your franchise, and, and I always stop at that point. If you're going to open this up independently, chances are you're going to spend, you know, 70% of that 400000 if not more. So that's not all invested with the franchise. You have the franchise fee. Obviously, you have your own royalties. You're not starting by yourself. You have a proven system. You have brand recognition. You have a trademark. You possibly have some cooperative advertising. So there are benefits. To doing with a franchise. But a lot of people right away think that they're starting from zero. Why should I invest $400,000 with your franchise? It, it, it's not. It's not. Listen,
1: you're not investing Paul, I'll go even with their franchise. I'll go even further. And I'll say, you know, one of the reasons franchises is successful is it forces people to spend money on things that are important to the long term health of their <laughs> business. So that's if good. you go out and start a sandwich shop by yourself, guess what? You're going to spend 200000 no question about it. You're going to cheap out on the architect. You're going to spend all your energy and effort on getting the cheapest construction out there, but it's not going to look good. You're not going to spend money on grand opening advertising, and you're going to halfway open, and that business isn't going to be nearly as successful as the people who say, yeah, it's painful to spend 15 grand in grand opening advertising. But guess what? Customers are going to be at the door when you open because we know it because we've done it 50 times before. And we used to spend 2000 now we spend fifteen. And independent business owners don't have those kind of metrics or historical thoughts. So it's cheaper to start your own business by yourself. But why are you doing this? You're doing this to build a sustainable business, and it takes money to make money. And, um, and I think that's one of the tricks to franchising. And you said it. That $15,000 doesn't go to the franchisor. I mean, sometimes it does, but for the most part, they're getting their franchise fee and they're getting that, but they're you're spending it to third parties. The benefit to them is that you know theoretically your interests are aligned. They're going to be you're going to be a healthy, stronger business. Franchisees spend more money, no question about it. But yeah. you get what you pay for.
0: So I like your uh, political correctness by saying halfway open your business. I would just say half-ass open uh, your business <laughs> not before we. Before we get down to the wrap-up, I'd also like to remind our listeners that Franchising and You is also sponsored by the professionals at Retail Solutions who help franchisees locate, negotiate for, and lease or purchase the retail space, building sites with built-to-suits best suitable for their new business ventures. You can find Retail Solutions on the web at retailsolutionsre.com. Quickly, Tom, uh, do you have any final advice for our listening audience?
1: You know, my final advice is don't be afraid to get to the end of your due diligence and pull the trigger. You know, you're going to get sufficient information to make an informed decision, but don't have analysis paralysis. Take a big picture, look at the culture of the franchisor. Um, Most important items item 20 talk to the franchisees, take item 19 as a really important data point, but just a data point, not the whole picture. And be truly honest with yourself and ask trusted mentors and friends and family and people that you have a valued opinion that maybe know you as well or better than yourself and tell them what you're thinking of doing. Um, and they may be naysayers, but that doesn't mean you don't do it, but it's a data point. And, um, you know, and, uh, and, and be thorough, but, um, but put yourself on a timeline and say, at this point, I'm going to have the data and I'm going to make the decision and you won't have perfect information These processes aren't designed for perfect information. You're not buying a mutual fund. You're starting a business. And, um, you know, it's a fun journey. It's not for everyone, but those who have done it successful, I think have been rewarded not only financially, uh, but personally. It's very gratifying to to build something you can be proud of that can support you and your family and and get you um, some degree of financial independence and and personal independence. So I I wish your listeners well. And uh, obviously, you know we're one of many resources in this industry um, that are out there, and uh, be be happy to to keep that conversation going. And I just want to thank you again, Paul. I, I love these shows, and a, I guess I'm a franchising geek because this is a fun way to spend a Saturday morning.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and I can't tell you much, enough how much I appreciate your involvement in, in franchising and you uh, dedicating and committing time as well as uh, financial resources as a sponsor. Uh, thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Remember, you can take a deeper dive into franchising and specifically about sustainable franchising by listening to me and my co-host Stan Friedman Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Time on Franchise Today. Now in its ninth year, find us at BlogTalkRadio.com/slash Franchise Today. Also, be sure to subscribe to Franchise Dictionary Magazine. Is turning out to be a leading publication for those interested in learning more about franchising. In fact, I'm proud to announce my new column in the magazine Franchising 101. Uh, check out the September issue as I focus on getting the answers you need and exploring franchise opportunities by using the brand's FED as a can't-miss roadmap. All in all, great information in Franchise Dictionary Magazine. Editor Jill Abramson and her team have continued to do a fantastic job with this increasingly popular publication. Well, that's it for this week. I thank you for including franchising in you as you explore the wonderful world of franchising and business ownership. Dream it, wish it, do it. We're excited to be part of your quest towards franchise success. Have a great day.